you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. If you would please open your Bibles to the book of Philippians, chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. This is God's Word. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too, should be glad and rejoice with me. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, how could you not? He doesn't say so if you're overflowing with encouragement about being united with Christ. He says, if that gives you any encouragement at all. What? Being united with Christ. When Jesus died for us, he didn't just provide forgiveness. 
He made it possible for us to be one with him. Marriage between a husband and wife is a picture of the relationship between Christ and the church. God's design from the beginning was to make us one with him. That's astounding. That's such a miracle. If you get any encouragement from that, Paul says, if you have any comfort from his love, if you have any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. If you do not have any of those anys, none, you just take no comfort at all in the fact that God loves you. You just have zero compassion. You just doesn't mean a thing to you. You're not encouraged even a tiny bit by the fact that God has chosen to make you one with him. Well, then you don't have to take this to heart. You do need to get saved, but you don't need to try and do what he's telling us to do. The Holy Spirit is saying to us, think about what I've done for you. Think about your position in Christ And in light of that, here's what you can do, Paul says, the Holy Spirit speaking through him, in order to make my joy complete. Being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. How much selfish ambition is appropriate? None. Not only should that not be the driving force in your life, but do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is how we're to live. Would it be safe to say that that goes against the natural bent of human personality, human heart? Nobody has to teach people how to be selfish. It comes naturally to all of us. We try to learn how to manipulate our surroundings. From the time we're tiny, we learn that if we cry, hopefully somebody comes. We learn that in some families, if we throw a tantrum, we get what we want. Thankfully, there are other families where we learn that if we throw a tantrum, we will not only not get what we wanted, but we will get what we didn't want. But what God has done for us is so utterly amazing that if you have any appreciation for it at all, then what he's asking of us doesn't seem at all unreasonable. We recognize it as a mercy. Make my joy complete by being like-minded. That doesn't mean 
we're all little robots and we all think the same thoughts about everything at the same time. But to be like-minded means that we have an agreement on what the overall things are. Having the same love being one in spirit and purpose. Years ago, a musician from Illinois came to French Camp, Mississippi. He did it every year, but this one particular year, Merrill Dunlop was doing the music, as he had so many times. But he did something he hadn't done before and something I have never seen before or since. He was sitting at the piano and he said, um, I'm about to play a familiar song and I want you to join with me. And he did one verse of What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And everybody sang along, familiar song. And then he said, now, I want you just to listen as I do something that is unusual. I'm going to play that song in the key of whatever with this hand and the key of whatever with this hand. And he said, afterwards, I want you to tell me what you think. So he proceeded to play that same wonderful song that we had just sung in two conflicting keys on the piano. It was horrible. It was horrible. Because these notes did not harmonize with these notes at all. He said, now, my right hand could say to my left hand, I didn't miss a note. And my left hand could say to my right hand, I didn't miss a note. And both of them would be correct. But because they were not working together, what they created was disharmony. And he said, God has called us to be in harmony with one another to be united in purpose, to love one another. And if this one is over here insisting on their differences in a way that is in clash with this one who has a valid point but a different emphasis, and he says the result within the body of Christ is something that nobody's drawn to. People are repelled by it. And tragically, that is what many Christians do. Now, let me tell you something. It's not enough to be able to say, I didn't miss a note. I have a valid point. I'm sure I'm right. When this one over here, that we're supposed to be working with, is not on the same page. Well, how do we work together? Do we compromise the truth? No, we learn to harmonize. We can have different emphasis as long as we're both working together for the glory of God. Folks, there's an easy way that you can help future generations of children in crisis. When you include Where's Valley Ranch in your will or as a beneficiary, your gift doesn't cost you anything today. Your gift is free of federal and estate tax. You're not obligated and can change your mind. You can still take care of your family by including them too. 
and you can leave a legacy. If you believe the Lord is leading you to do this, please be obedient to him. And then let us know of your plans by going to wvr.org and clicking on the Legacy 145 button. You'll be part of a group of brothers and sisters who are participating in Psalm 145.4, sharing God's mighty acts with future generations. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus so, is he says to these folks in Philippi who loved the Lord and were doing so many things right, I want you to be united. I want you to be united in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. How much selfish ambition is it okay to have? Zero. What about vain conceit? Zero. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And if you don't think you're capable of vain conceit, think again. But don't let those motives be the basis of your behavior. Instead, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. It's not just what's good for me, it's what's good for us. How's this going to help other people? So you found a parking spot that's really close to the door. Are you able to walk farther than that? Well, sure, I could. Well, why don't you leave that for someone who needs a spot closer to the door? Now, I'm just, I'm not telling you you can't park close to the door. I'm saying you need to bring other people into the equation. Think about others. And look out for their interests as well. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. God became a man. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He didn't become God. He was God. Everything was created by him. He wasn't one of the gods. He was God. God is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are not three gods. They are one God. But the Son did not consider equality with God which he had, something to be held on to. Instead, he emptied himself, made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. The word became flesh and lived among us. And being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself further. He didn't come to earth and walk around telling everybody, Bow down, bow down. You don't know who I am, but I'm telling you right now, if you know what's good for you, you're going to bow down. Instead, he went around meeting the needs of other people. Reaching out and taking a leper by the hand. You didn't touch a leper because you didn't want to get leprosy. But Jesus wasn't going to get leprosy. He was going to heal the leper. Jesus held little children when his disciples were trying to say, don't bother the master. He rebuked his disciples and said, let the children come to me. 
he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Not just willing to die, but to die on the cross, even death on a cross. You couldn't get further down than that. Before he died on the cross, he's meeting with his disciples. There's nobody there to serve them by washing their feet. None of them are willing to do that. But Jesus does. He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around himself, and began washing the disciples' feet. Awkward. Yeah, more than awkward. Instructive. He said, look, this is the way you're to treat one another. You've seen what I did for you. This is the way you're to live. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, And under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you understand? That is not up for negotiation. Jesus is Lord. He's not running for office, he's not hoping to get the job. Jesus Christ is Lord. So the question is are you going to recognize? who he is, and yield your life to him? Or are you going to be in rebellion against him and be destroyed? Those are your options. If you refuse to yield your life to Jesus Christ, you will be destroyed. And Jesus describes it in terms of eternal torment. Why would a person choose that? Because the unregenerate human heart hates God. That's the problem. It's hostility toward him. So, therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. When he says work out your salvation, continue to work out your salvation, does that mean we're still negotiating a deal with God? No. Does it mean we're earning our salvation? No. To work out your salvation is to manifest it. Okay? It's to bring into the outside what God is doing on the inside. And so we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. Who's he writing to? The population at large? No. Everybody in Philippi? No. He's writing to the saints of God in Philippi, those who belong to Jesus. If you are not a Christian... The Christian life is not going to work for you, okay? I tried being a Christian, and that just didn't work. Well, you needed to get saved. You cannot live the Christian life apart from the Holy Spirit of God living in you and living the life of Christ through you. That's the only way that it's possible. 
Do everything, verse 14, without complaining. Now, this is astounding. Whatever you have to do, do it without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Apparently, if I read this correctly, our generation today is not the first one to be crooked and depraved. You know? I mean, some of us, as we look around, just think, gosh, what is happening to this world? It's like everybody's just rushing headlong toward hell. Well, yeah. It's always been that way. Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many travel thereon. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few find it. So if Jesus is correct, and he's always correct, every generation is going to find that if they're serious about following the Lord, they are swimming upstream. They're going against the flow. They are not a part of the broad way. You should not be surprised. But don't be afraid because you are shining like a star in a dark place. You shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. Even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad. He says, I I may be nearing the end of my life, but I'm glad and I rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul is describing a situation in which there's enormous darkness and perversity all around. And he says, yeah, but you're shining. And so I'm rejoicing, and you should be rejoicing too. How am I supposed to shine when there's so much darkness all around? Actually, the light with which you shine will be more apparent in the darkness. So I should seek for a dark environment? You don't have to. You don't have to. All you've got to be concerned about is working out your own salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it is God who works within you to will and to do according to his good purpose. You just focus on shining. That's all you've got to do. The moon doesn't say, I've got to hurry and get over there to where it's dark. The moon just goes on its course, just doing its thing, reflecting the light of the sun. There are a whole lot of people, if you just shine for Jesus day and night, there are a whole lot of people who will not pay any attention until suddenly they find themselves in darkness. And then you'll have people who will come to you and say, how do you do it? I've been watching you for years, and I don't understand. What what is the source of your joy? What is the source of that peace that you have when things go wrong? You see, you and I, in working out our salvation, are not supposed to pretend that we're perfect or that we always do everything right. 
because we don't. And a lying witness is not a good witness. But if we're just honest about what God's doing inside of us, not that we've arrived, because we haven't, but the fact that we're on a journey with one who loves us and gave himself for us, and who we know is going to see us through. God will use that. Not to save everybody, but to save those who are being saved. Don't be afraid to just be honest. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number. 866-41-ABIDE or contact us on the web at wvr.org.